Have you heard about the new MagnaGrip Pro Nozzle? The MagnaGrip Pro Nozzle is the easiest, most advanced nozzle ever, protecting you from the dangers of diesel exhaust fumes. With its patented flex magnet technology, the Pro Nozzle easily attaches with one hand from a standing position, can snap on from any angle, and fits flush to the apparatus, saving a ton of space. And MagnaGrip is the only exhaust removal system that offers a true 100% seal. For free grant assistance and to learn more, go to magnagrip.com. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Fire and Training. I'm your host, Douglas Klein, and we have a special edition show for you tonight. Fire and Training is teaming up with Taking It to the Streets and my good friend and colleague, Christopher Nam, as we honor the late, great Bobby Halton and talk about leadership from the firehouse into the streets. And I would be remiss if I did not say that Fire and Training and Taking It to the Streets both dedicate their efforts to Chief Bobby Halton, the late, great Bobby Halton, and the legend that he was, but also to every firefighter that's on the street, day in, day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, giving them the best opportunity for knowledge training and the opportunity to learn so that they can be safe, so that everyone goes home. I want to welcome to the show my esteemed colleague, Christopher Nam. Chris, welcome on board. It's great to be able to team our two shows together tonight for this special edition, honoring Chief Halton. It's always a pleasure, Doug. Uh, my, my thanks for, uh, again, everything that you continue to do, and uh, certainly to reiterate, um, you know, it's certainly been uh, an interesting month and a half now as we, uh, actually a couple of months now as we move into the early part of February here, February 1st. But uh, certainly we were all very much taken back when word started uh, spreading on uh, the passing of Chief Halton and certainly all of the accolades that have uh, and communications and all of the comments and tributes that have occurred over the last number of weeks uh, will continue on as we certainly move forward toward uh, April and FDIC and some of the special activities that will be uh, uh, made available for all of us that are attending both live and I'm sure streaming, um, dealing with the life and times and the legend of, of Chief Halton. So, you know, it's a testament to uh, all of us here on the fireengineering.com, Blog Talk Radio family, both in the magazine, the online uh, versions of everything that we continue to move forward with our respective radio programs, our content, and just keeping training and education and, and preparation in the forefront, uh, which what was which was everything to do with Chief Halton. I mean, that was the commitment, you know, preparation um, for, for the job at hand. And that is so true. And also, uh, on the eve of the funeral of a good friend of mine, Chief Steve Cordell from the Henderson, North Carolina Fire Department, uh, Steve lost his battle to cancer being you know, diligent and brave to still continue to try to lead his people uh, in that department, and his legacy will live on. So tomorrow I'll be 
attending that funeral. But uh, also just uh, tip of the hat to David Rhodes, who's stepping in and continuing the legacy that we all know is uh, famous at uh, FDIC, at Fire Engineering, you know, so that we we continue to go forward. So uh, tip of the hat to David. So, Chris, let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about the concept of the importance of taking leadership not only in the station but out to the street. So give me your forethought in what you're thinking towards that. Well, I think when we when we first talked about uh, putting a program like this together, it, it matched up with a number of things that both you and I are doing independently as well as collectively with some of our um, on-the-road programs and so forth, and even some of our discussions. I also you know, think back on the very robust conversations we've had at a, at a number of different uh, national conferences and regional conferences, just talking with the guys and gals um, about the importance of, of, of the firehouse. And whether you talk about it in the sense and, and the term of fire station or firehouse, um, I think when, as we frame out that conversation here on our episode, you know, we're talking about the firehouse and so many different facets of that. And I'll start off by saying this. You know, when we talk about the bigger part of the firehouse and leadership, and, and I think we're going to get into a variety of different elements there, and we discuss some, some aspects of operational excellence, I'll, I'll use a couple of bullets here. And those bullets start off with uh, some very poignant words of wisdom and some tidbits that come from Captain Mark Von Oppen, uh, also known as Fully Involved from California. And he talks about four bullets, and it's pretty straightforward. It's do your job, treat people right, give all-out effort, and have an all-in attitude. And, and that, I always thought, had a lot of, of uh, essence to the nucleus of, of the firehouse environment and as it relates to leadership. And I'll go so far to add one other layer to that, and that uh, comes from another very well-known national figure and uh, also known as uh, thefireosser.com. But, uh, Doug, you know, these are our years, the, the, the four Ds, when we talk about desire, discipline, determination, and dedication. So when you match up those eight attributes, you know, do your job, treat people right, give all-out effort, have an all-in attitude that Captain Mark Van Oppen talks about, and then, Doug, what you have constantly been promoting over the last 12 to 15 years, desire, discipline, determination, and dedication, I think is a, a, it's an excellent starting point in talking about the firehouse environment and leadership. And the one thing that clearly all of our listeners need to be aware of is that leadership is both official and unofficial, and it's at the lowest level of, uh, of the firefighting forces as well as the, uh, the officers that, that run the house. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, some of those discussions and dialogues. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. And, of course, you know, in the four Ds, you know, the desire is, is the key, the desire to uh, want to lead people, to step up to lead people. And I use the, the terminology of step up to lead and Frank Vacuso. Uh, one of the best books, you know, that you can pick your hands up. And, you know, I, I came across a post that Tiger Smittendorf had, had put up a few years ago on, on Facebook in a memory of, uh, he's supposed to be on vacation, and he's sitting there, and and he's he's reading uh, in the book from Step Up and Lead, and 
you know, one of the things he's saying is that he's writing his own book and notes and he's highlighting and he's doing so much. And then he, he, you know, jumps over to another book and he's talking about that. But, you know, part of it is we have to have a true desire. We have, you know, as individuals, we have to desire, have the desire about people. We have to be determined. You know, we have to have that discipline. You know, there's so much to go in those four Ds, but, you know, those, those words from Mark Van Oppen is, is critical. I mean, he's talking about the, the, the very essence of what our leadership really should be and how we go about doing it. And, you know, one of the things, Chris, that, you know, sticks out to me about leadership is how important it is uh, to have that. And one of the programs that I've been doing recently is uh, developing your leadership resume that will outlast you, leaving, you know, a legacy, you know, behind. And part of how I start that program, and you made mention to this, is leadership and, and, you know, developing that concept starts from the first day you walk through the door. And, And that program, when I start that program off, I tell them that leadership is not about rank. It's not about how many uh, trumpets that you put on your shoulders. It's about none of that. It's about characteristics. It's about traits. And it it starts with the newest person. It goes to the most senior person. Uh, It can go from uh, having just, you know, the new guy in the house leading folks to the most senior guy in the house leading folks the most highest of rank to the lowest of rank. So, you know, these are all the the critical pieces that I see that, you know, come into play that's so important about being in the firehouse, but that carries out to the streets, you know, to where we're actually engaged in the responses that we do and, and, you know, caring for the citizens that we have and taking care of ourselves even out in the field to make sure everyone goes home. So, that's kind of where I go, and, and with thought process with that, I know that we've talked a lot about how critical that is from getting it from the firehouse, and we got to have it in the firehouse but to the streets. Well, you know, you, you talk about that aspect. I think the other, you know, regardless of rank, regardless of time and grade, uh, longevity, I mean, we can talk about the senior man, and, again, I use that term with the highest degree of, of uh of notation to a tradition, and, and, and not to be exclusive of any or, or to, to uh, diminish that, but, uh, you know, that senior person or the senior man has always had a, a, a major element to the firehouse and leadership, official or unofficial. But I'll go back to the one comment that you talk about. It's, you know, we, we talk about our actions. We talk about what we do. Um, and, and it goes back to this. It's, you know, it's, it's what you, how and what you do, uh, what you accept, what you disregard, uh, it reflects highly upon you as the individual and will define you, defines you as a firefighter, as an officer, as a commander, uh, part of that house, part of that shift, part of the volunteer combination, whatever it may be. Um, it, there's a, a degree of, of identity. Um, and again, that aspect of identity individually as part of the team, as part of the company, as part of the house, um, reflects on the firehouse and also ends up reflecting on the fire ground. I mean, what we do, as uh, the late Chief Brunacini always talked about, um, you know, what we do on the inside reflects uh, tremendously on what we do on the outside. And that direct correlation of firehouse and fire ground in particular, inside and out. You know, the inside, the attributes of of leadership, uh, we talk about developing ourselves as individuals, 
developing ourselves as part of the company in terms of its identity. Uh, these are all attributes of leadership, and they are part of building competencies, developing and building grit, that, that capability and determination, uh, maintaining a good sense of, of well-being. And that's part of what Chief Brunacini talked about actually in the NFFF program on inside and out, you know, talking about being well and having both physical and mental um, balance and being able to execute the mission to, to meet the needs of, of Mrs. Smith. Uh, but it's also part of a lot of different other elements. It's, it's exercising self-regulation. It's demonstrating humanity, which I think is one specific area that we seldom talk enough about or talk to any degree about in terms of that aspect of, of at the end of the day, being a good person and then developing trust. And we can talk about a few other elements of that. But that's a good little snapshot of inside and out because what we do in that firehouse setting directly or indirectly ends up uh, uh, reflecting what we end up doing on the job in the streets. But that firehouse environment from the day we step foot into that house um, to the last day that we, if we're fortunate enough to have a walkout and leave that particular house either through retirement or just walking out and, and going to a different house uh, through uh, promotions and, and transfers, uh, relocations, going from one volunteer department to another. I mean, there's a whole variety of both the, of the career and the volunteer side of it, and there's a lot of different an analogies to that. But, uh, you know, what we do day one um, certainly has to be reflected back on whatever that end day is that reflects our time in that, in that house and, and, and what we do. But directly, you know, what we do in that firehouse setting directly reflects what and how we do uh, and what we do on the fire ground. It's that inside and out. It's, it's such a, a strong correlation there that we sometimes don't talk anywhere near enough about it. Well, you know, one of the things that I do know, and I learned this very, very early on, and one of the, the, the pieces that I ran into was um, the company officer development program that I went to with ISFSI many, many years ago. And part of what I found with that was uh, I learned that the company officer is, you know, really the pivotal point in an organization. It, it's so critical that, you know, with without that, you know, what are you doing? What are you capable of being able to do uh, as an organization? The company officer is the most critical role that we have in the fire service. It, it's, the, it's the pivotal point, you know, for officers and, and what the officers actually do. Uh, it, it shows us very, very quickly when you're, you're strong or you're weak. And that's, that's one of the pieces that sticks out in my mind is that it's so critical, and most folks don't realize the criticality of this, but it's so critical for the, the company officer to be engaged. And they are the true trainers of the fire service. They're the true leaders of the fire service. They're the ones that show us so much about the organization and, and you know, what they do. So the leadership in the firehouse is, like like we said, critical. The biggest thing that I will say towards that is whatever you accept in the firehouse for the standard is going to carry to the streets. We said that. But also what you condone in the firehouse, you also own it as the leader. So in other words, we should be committed to a level of excellence. We should be committed to really being engaged be you know that that group of individuals that are high performers 
that when we go out, we're the ones that people want to be called upon. We're the ones that are capable of doing the job. Uh, the old adage comes back to my mind about, you know, the public can't call 912. They can't choose the fire department down the street. We have that monopoly. And I think that's the thing company officers need to look at is not only are they the pivotal role in the fire service, they're, they're the, you know, the really the hub of where the spoke goes out, and, you know, to the, to the wider world there. But they're also the true trainers of the fire service. So give me your thoughts to that, Chris. Well, I think when you know, there, there's a lot to that. So, I mean, you know, when you talk about the bosses of the house, the official, you know, individuals who have administrative and uh, operational responsibilities for the house, for the shift, um, there typically is the house captain. There may be other lieutenants and sergeants that, that may run the platoons, the, uh, the, uh, the shifts and uh, the groups that are there. Um, and, again, in both volunteer and, and career settings, I'll, I'll say this, uh, and, and again, um, I'm going to paraphrase it somewhat. Some are associated with a great company. Others make a company great. And uh, those were the words of the late John Vigiano Sr., who uh, served uh, for many, many years as a lieutenant on Rescue Company 2 in FDNY in, in, in Brooklyn, went on to become uh, captain of uh, Ladder 132, and... Uh, Retired, retired off the job, but uh, passed away in, in 2018. But I think those words resonate in so many different levels. You know, some are associated with a great company, and that goes back to, you know, what, what is that house? What is that firehouse? What's that company known for in terms of its tradition, and uh, both in the past or the present, uh, which reflects a lot of different elements there. But, again, others make a company great, and, and I think that's where the boss, the the – Officers of that house have the ability to truly develop the cadre of individuals that come into those doors, that, that come into that firehouse and establish themselves and develop themselves as firefighters and eventually as senior firefighters and, and maybe company officers in that, in that same house and setting um, that all have to do with that one or number of individuals. And, and I certainly am one to look back on my career, and, and again, the same thing was very, very true, having some very uh, very significant figures that worked in the ranking of the company officers that either ran, you know, ran as lieutenants or, or ran the house, and they were a variety of different things, but they were leaders, they were mentors, they were the trainers, but they established and maintained the pulse of that house. And the good ones were flexible enough to keep an ear out for what was occurring, intervene at the appropriate time. Um, others that, you know, disregarded and just chose to neglect some of those things that were going on, expecting things to sort of work their way out, and maybe they, they, they never did, um, or they became bigger issues where they could have been addressed at a smaller or lower level. Um, but it goes back to the comment that we both made. You know, I think that the stuff that we dismiss or that we promote in a variety of different levels as officers that have authority and responsibility, um, we either engage and intervene or we disregard and the rest of it is is whatever the mess becomes that, that comes out of it. But uh, 
You know, I think it goes back to another element here that I'll throw in is that, you know, the house itself um, becomes um, templated. In other words, there's some marks and things that that occur within the firehouse setting. The the kinds of things are our social exchanges, the conversations at the kitchen table or in the day room, the interactions, the conversations, discussions, the debates, the likes, the dislikes, the values, the biases, uh, the positions, and, and everything that we feed into it. I mean, those things become traits, they become characteristics, uh, they become principles, and they actually become personas for, for many individuals. But they also become behaviors and values and biases and positions. And when we talk about those aspects uh, in the firehouse settings, I mean, that becomes the template. It's the conversations that manifest themselves from exchanges to traits, and those traits end up manifesting themselves uh, from the firehouse environment to the fireground environment. So, you know, again, when you put it into the context, Doug, as you did, about the bosses of the house, those social interactions, those conversations, the unofficial, the official, the things that we hear in our company office that's coming from the day room, coming down the hall, we're coming in through the kitchen, uh, we're passing by a particular area of the firehouse, whether it be on the apparatus floor or some other area, and you're hearing things. And sometimes, again, we intervene. Other times we just put that in the back of our minds. But you've got to keep a pulse of the buzz of what's going on, if, if nothing else. And, you know, I mean, that, that's a failure of leadership that if, if, if you're in an officer level and you fail to monitor and fail to act accordingly at the appropriate time, that's a failure of leadership. Yeah, and, you know, you're exactly correct, Chris. I mean, you're – I mean, I couldn't have put a, a thumbprint on something any better. You know, the the biggest thing that um, – I come back to in, in the thought process and all this of keeping the bolts is a lot of times company officers fall on that uh, that sword of wanting to be liked and, you know, instead of being respected. I would much rather be respected than necessarily liked. Uh, one of the things about respect is that if people respect you, typically the morale of that company is going to be high. If they really respect who you are, you know, a lot of times they're not going to like you as that company officer because you're going to push them. And I can remember having conversations as a company officer in, in the house that I was in, you know, before I, I promoted up the battalion chief in Chapel Hill. And, you know, I had probably one of the best crews that could ever have walked, you know, in, into a firehouse. They were extremely talented people. They were extremely knowledgeable. They were very diverse their backgrounds and knowledge of, of other things were very diverse, you know, and I, I can remember that, you know, we would sit down and I would sit down with them on a quarterly basis and, and do evaluations. And one of the things I used to always say is, you know, I'm raising the bar on you now. I was continuously expecting them to get better, continuously raising the standard that I expected them to have and, Probably one of the more talented people in there used to tell me, he'd go, ah, I hate that, I hate that. And, you know, but the thing about it was he was the same guy that even though he might have hated it, he was doing it to everyone else. He was expecting them to get better, and he was expecting the bar to raise. And he went on to be the emergency uh, services 
our emergency management director in Haywood County in North Carolina. His name was Phil Poole. And just phenomenal guy. Just just carried a wealth of knowledge. But, you know, one of the pieces that I, I can remember is the driver I had on the ladder company, one of those guys that drove me a lot was Dennis Bailey. And, of course, we were a multi-piece house, and the guys would switch back and forth. But I had guys that wanted to be on that squad company that was in my house, and I had guys that wanted to be on that ladder company, even though they were interchangeable and they could do both sides of the, you know, the, the floor there. You know, one of the things that sticks out to me about that level of excellence and that leadership is each one of those guys that were in my house, uh, especially the what I would call the senior guys who were engineers, they could have done my job any day of the week. And, in fact, they probably could have done it better. And, you know, that leadership that they brought was phenomenal. It made my job a whole lot easier. But one of the things that I, I can I can definitely say that, you know, stuck out is that we had that morale. And you talked about internal to the firehouse, that sitting down at the kitchen table, having those tailboard talks. Uh, we had a picnic table outside that we used to sit at a lot. And, and the conversations that went on at the dinner table or the lunch table or the breakfast table, you know, the, the, the conversations in the bay, the conversations around that picnic table were, you know, about some complex, you know, ideas of how do we get better? You know, what do we do when we go to these locations? What happened on this last call that, you know, we, we needed to improve on? And, I mean, they were driving those conversations, and I, I think – that's indicative of the leadership that those guys had. And so it made my job extremely easy to lead them because, you know, they were great followers, but they were also great leaders. And that's something that I want to jump into, Chris, is the need for individuals to be great followers, especially leaders. Leaders also need to be great followers. So give me your thoughts on that. Well, Every leader has another leader that they are trying to follow, especially in the complexities of, of, our, of our world today. I mean, there's always someone that we are looking to emulate, to, uh, to mirror, um, or, to, or that we've developed our skill sets um, and characteristics and attributes, uh, our behaviors and so forth. Uh, even our mannerisms uh, sometimes end up reflecting those other leaders that we looked up to when we were coming up through there. Um, I'll make mention of a, of a thing. You know, you talk about having these, um, the, the, you know, the, that senior leadership, the senior firefighters um, that would help us. But it also, and, and again, our listeners can fully understand this and, and uh, uh, relate to it, but we also have those leaders that make our lives miserable uh, to, to a great extent within the firehouse setting that are constantly working against uh, management, uh, constantly working against anything that goes against their thoughts of being the way things ought to be. So it becomes the, the aspect of counterproductive discussions and, and not following the leader and subterfuge and, and just always trying to uh, – sink, you know, or, or torpedo the, the boss in some way or, or the chief in some way, and I, and I just say that in the, in the higher level of the hierarchy, but they're not working for the good, but that senior person 
may have a tremendous degree of influence as a result of leadership, which is not the positive. So we, we have a lot of those different things. We've got the official and the unofficial, but we have those that are working collectively for the betterment of the good, and then we have others that have the biases and whatever other issues that they may have that sometimes are, you know, they're, they're self-imposed, they're, they're, they're biased for their own particular issues, whatever they may be. And we, we all know without, without getting into those details, but they can also work against us, which makes for a miserable environment or a shift. And, um, you know, I think just keeping track when we talk about that leadership element, it's both the official and unofficial. And now I think today, in today's firehouse environment, it becomes more challenging, <clears throat> number one, to identify the unofficial leadership uh, groups, and it's normally more than one uh, that may be present, and who they are and what's making them tick. And now more than ever, I think we see that there's these blurred areas out there. I think in a, in a previous time frame in the fire service, the firehouse environment was very stratified, very distinct in terms of the hierarchy, and even the things that have become much more liberal in the way we operate within the firehouse setting uh, were unacceptable in a different time frame. So we're, we're going through this cyclical phase of things that used to be acceptable, that may no longer be acceptable in the firehouse, but also the manner in which the firehouse functioned, operated, um, the rules that existed have become much more blurred and in some instances uh, very much undefinable, um, even in, especially today where we talk about all of the external influences that are affecting society on a, on a much more global basis and, and how they are now really, really hitting all of us uh, with the current generations at work, this, this aspect toward leadership, uh, the separation of groups. I mean, we're, we can't make this a, a homo completely homogenous kind of environment, and that's part of the challenge. You know, we, we have a we have a firehouse environment. I, I don't think we touched upon this, but it goes back to this whole aspect of leadership and such. We have a firehouse environment that really is the center of the universe. It's the center of the universe for the fire service. Every single fire organization has that physical entity, the firehouse, that fire station, it is the center of the universe from which we work. Um, it's our work environment, but it's also our home. And that home can literally or figuratively reflect a lot of different things. It, it reflects, you know, why we exist, why we serve, uh, how we function. It's part of the job, you know, of, of our place of going out with our with the machinery and the apparatus, but it's, it's also our home because, again, you're spending a great deal of time either on the volunteer side coming and going and just, you know, the, the stuff that you do in that firehouse in between alarms or on the career side, you're spending a, an extensive amount of, of uh, continuous time based upon the, the hours of your shifts and so forth, and, and that is the home. And that becomes part of the challenge. You know, it, it reflects both the home and the work environment, and sometimes it, there's not a separation. You know, you're treating it like your home, but it's really the work environment, and when you start establishing it as the work environment, well, now you get into the whole, all of the social idiosyncrasies that come about from it. So a lot of a lot of different pieces there. Yeah, and one of the biggest things is is the cultures are different. Um, 
you know, time, as you said, times are different. The cultures are different. But one of the things that I can I can say is when there are standards that are set by an organization, and when when those standards are carried out by the company officer at that level, you know, one of the things that I think we've fallen into a trap about, and you know, the this this takes me back to my program, shiners, whiners, or recliners. You know, what is the the profile of of what you're doing? And when we accept the mediocrity. That's just, you know, a status quo. And, again, when we go to status quo, we know we're kind of stagnant. And I think that's one of the things about the leadership in the firehouse is that even though we have a a very diverse group of people, you know, in in our organizations today, and and I, I get it, people talk about the culture and it being different, but the the job itself has not really changed that much. At all, the complexities of the job have gotten even more complex. But our, our standard mission to protect and to serve the property and the people that are in our communities through the variety of ways we do, whether it's fire protection, whether it's code enforcement, whether it's fire emergency response, whether it's EMS, whether it's you know we're taking care of hazardous material situations. The focus of what our mission is, and I think that's where we've gotten away from some leadership in the firehouse, Chris, is our company officers really don't know our mission or vision or the values that the organization has and that they've lost touch with that or they don't even know what that is. And that's what drives the company every day is what is the mission of the organization? What are the values of the organization? What are our values that sit there? What's our vision of where we're going to be? And how do we get there? And and part of what we have to do is take complex, you know, individuals that have different personalities. We blend them together. We put them on companies, and we respond to people's sides on the worst days of their life. And we do some amazing things uh, when nobody else will respond. And, again, we are a hazard mitigation response team uh, more so than we are a, a, a fire department. We handle all sorts of hazards. We do go to fires, but, you know, we handle this. And I think that's where we got to get back to the root in our, our thought process and leadership is I'm reminded of what Dennis Compton said one time about running a team of horses. Each one of those horses have its own unique ability, its own unique strengths, their own unique personalities, and we have to learn how to run those. And the term that comes to mind is is uh, something that we actually posted on the uh, fireofficer.com in, in an article that Dan Jones and Kelly Walsh wrote about schizophrenic leadership. How do we lead these people in so many different ways? And and I think just about today and in, in the the number of people and how I got a lot of things accomplished throughout the day today, it was about as hodgepodge as you could get in leadership styles of, of getting certain things done or accomplished and, and how I, I motivated different people to do things. And uh, it was almost like the, the term schizophrenia, schizophrenia because I had I don't know how many different personalities going on today. What's your thoughts about that when we relate that back to the house and back to the streets uh, with our companies? Well, you know, you talk about schizophrenia, you talk about generations at work either 
the separation by age groups or the assimilation where we have age groups that become closer and closer together because of you know attrition, retention, recruitment, retirements, whatever it may be. Um, it does go back to fundamentally, I think, uh, the, the aspects of focus. I mean, you ha we have to be mission-focused, execution-driven, results-oriented, both in the firehouse and on the fire ground. And then it starts at the firehouse. So it goes back to, you know, the culture, tr the tradition, the expectation, goes back to a number of different elements there. And I think the one fundamental piece that we – that we don't focus enough on when we talk about the leadership goes back to, again, values and actions. Um, it goes back to the demonstration of commitment at various levels, but it, well, well, let's talk about it just at the boss's level. You know, it's, it's having the, the, the values and the actions that are mission-oriented. So we've got to align those together. Um, it's developing, I think, trust and respect. That goes back into a number of other different subsets. There are um, the aspects of standards and expectations and accountability. Those three elements right there, I think we, we could do, you know, a, a, a couple of hours show on or certainly a multiple part series when we talk about trust and respect, standards, um, and expectations. And then the other part of that, that, again, sometimes doesn't get put back into the, uh, into the front portion of it is the accountability. Um, trust and respect, we constantly are seeing some some issues out there that relate back on the fire ground, that there's this lack of trust. Well, why is it? And then we read about it in after-action reports or, or, or other um, line-of-duty death reports and so forth. But in particular, I, I've seen a couple of different things of recent and a number of previously published reports where, again, there's this lack of trust and or respect, and that ends up manifesting itself on the fire ground when things start unraveling. So it gets back into this aspect of ownership and competency and the elements of uh, training and uh, being accountable. So you know, I think there's a, there's a bunch of different moving pieces in there, but when we focus in on any particular one, I think it's that the value and the actions as a leader. And then again, it's the demonstration of commitment to that, however it may come about, and we could you know, discuss those in particular, but man, you've, you've got to have the trust, you've got to have that respect, you've got to have the standards, the expectations and the accountability, and at the same time, you have to be both rigorous and adaptable. And the adaptiveness, as you just talked about, is when things, you know, really become push to come shove, whatever they may be, whatever the circumstances and challenges, we've got to remain flexible and step up. And we also have to be rigorous so that when things are starting to unravel because of the lack of rigor and discipline and focus that leaders step in and take the appropriate action. So, you know, there's, there's not always going to be one size fits all, but I think in the high level, we talk about going from the 1,000-foot to the 100-foot view, those couple of things that I just made mention of uh, really from my experience, have always been first and foremost. If you can have those things in place, they align with mission-focused deliveries, mission-focused aspects. And again, it goes back to that identity. What is that house known for? And what was it known for back in the day? And are we just riding on the lords of, uh, 
of leadership from a different era of time, and we've, we haven't done anything. You know, you come in and you wear a patch. You've got a certain motto that's on the rigs or on the firehouse and so forth. You're known for something, and did you really are, – are you a contributor to that, um, or are you just passively sitting on the sign lines in the station riding on someone else's lords? And it goes back to the leaders to, again, tie everything back in from the newest probationary firefighter and holding accountability up to that senior person all the way through, and then holding ourselves accountable. Again, other officers in the house, and, and I'll just extract it one step further. It's the BCs and the district chiefs that should be holding the bosses in the firehouse accountable also, and that sometimes is the disconnect. The BCs and the district chiefs, the bosses at the command level, are not holding the leadership at the firehouse level accountable, and therefore we end up having the disconnects, and sometimes it unravels, and it's going to take forever to, to fix, or sometimes you got to make some hard choices and, and really put the hammer down and do what it's, what's necessary to fix the problems that are there. And, you know, accountability is something that um, everybody screams they want until they're held accountable, until the accountability is on them. And one of the things that I can promise you is this, is you're right. The the executive command staff needs to be holding, like, the division chiefs and the battalion chiefs accountable for, you know, what they're doing in their companies. And they, the battalion chiefs and the, the district chiefs and the division chiefs should be holding, you know, the companies accountable. And the company officers should be holding their people accountable. And again, that goes back to you know that accountability level at the at the lowest level is so critical, and I think that's where we've kind of lost a little bit of uh, of our focus along the way. Is people are always saying, well, you know that that's you know their decision, or they try to push it up to the next level. And you know, I remember coming along, and one of the things that I can remember, you know, people talking in in the company officer development program that I was in with ISFSI many, many years ago, and and I, I can remember Boone Gardner saying, you know, it's your job as the company officer to hold these people's feet to the fire. The, you're the accountability officer. You're the one that says what's the standard. You're the one that helps them, you know, be successful. And when they make mistakes, it's your job, you know, to correct those mistakes. It's your job to keep them from getting in trouble. It's your job to help and coach and mentor those. And I think that's where we've lost it. And, you know, honestly, the, the firefighters want strong leadership. I don't know of a firefighter that, that, that is a real firefighter that doesn't want strong leadership. They're, they're craving, you know, a, a boss who is confident. They're, they're craving that leadership to be confident. They, they want somebody that's going to lead by example and, and has strong integrity but it's still, you know, they haven't forgot where they came from. They desire that leadership that, that, that has an experience and, and, and will take them and make educated risk. Go ahead, Chris. I'll say this, you know, and again, this is, this is part of our robust conversation because when we get into this kind of conversation, here's the outlier part of it. It's when we've got, when we've got firefighters who don't know what leadership is. They've never experienced it, and unless they've gotten – an understanding of what fire service leadership looks like within from the from the academy 
from the probationary school standpoint. In other words, we take this recruit individual who's coming from outside of the service and into the service. Unless we imprint upon them what leadership looks like at the academy, at the probationary, at the initial training that they get, once they move into the fire station, they still may not have known what leadership is because they never experienced it in their secondary educations, whether it be at the high school or college levels. Again, we're, we're talking about how the system in society and education has evolved over the last 20 years. So they may not know what it is, but then they're expected to follow these rules and regulations and, uh, and have discipline in an environment, and especially in the firehouse. I mean, the firehouse, depending upon the kind of setting, but again, there's some, some differences between the career and the volunteer side, uh, unless you're in a very busy volunteer-type setting that aligns with what one typically finds within the career side of it. I mean, on the career side, there is a tremendous degree of discipline and rigor and, and house activities and, and following protocols and sometimes even to the point of, of very significant decorums, you know, coming in in the morning and, and standing the line on roll call and, you know, from back in the day all the way to things that are, are much more different. And, uh, you know, you've got mutuals, you've got Kaiser, you know, covering other shifts. I mean, there's there's all of this this dynamics, but it ultimately goes back to, I think, the, the four Ds that, that you continue to promote. It's that, that aspect of discipline and dedication with that determination part of it. And Von Appen also talks about just do your job, treat people right, but how do you know if you don't know? So that goes back against the grain. It's either you, you're, you're part of that stream where everybody's following and understands it, or we have the outliers where we've got to step, take a step back and it goes back to mission. What is the mission of the organization? What is the mission? What are the expectations? What's the accountability at the firehouse? And I'll tell you, you know, sometimes you get some great people walking through that door coming in on their first shift, and other times, um, you know, you've got your work cut out for you day one. But again, you cannot neglect it. You cannot just think that the, the problem is going to go away. Now that becomes part of the cohesiveness of everyone in that house so it's you know it goes beyond the aspect of self it goes back to self it's part of the team that's part of the company that's part of the multiple shifts it's part of that house and it ultimately rests on the shoulders of the officers that have authority um, to run that house and I'll also say this to our listeners it also falls upon others that don't have rank but are privy to what's going on, you know, at the same ranks, within the same settings. They hear the buzz that we don't typically hear at the higher levels. And again, it even goes a little bit further as you move into the to the uh, um, to the chiefs levels. You may be more removed from it. You know, that day-to-day -day kind of buzz of what's occurring. So, you know, you can't you can't always have your pulse on it, but you have to have that that aspect of trust and engagement and again it goes back to the aspects of self team and company and, and it's an evolving process i mean you know let's st stop and take a look at a, a thing that just came to mind here especially on, on a very very high level you know why is it that we continue to uh, identify or we witness some very extreme results of of the aspect of of an individual who chooses to go down a very dark 
and typically an, an undesirable path, but has so many things affecting them that their only way out is to, to get out. And, and again, I, I, this is a delicate conversation when you get into this, but you know, when, when very bad things, when, when very challenging, unexpected, serious things occur within the firehouse, we always have conversations that pop up that somebody was privy to something, something that was identifiable. Maybe we couldn't always put all of the pieces together, but that's why we've got to be constantly looking at the big picture and not separating ourselves, not siloing out ourselves. And, uh, and it becomes even more and more challenging at, the, uh, at the, that lieutenant captain sergeant's level to be monitoring those little things without overstepping our bounds. And, you know, that, that work environment, that firehouse environment, the job environment, and then the emotional challenges that are both external that are brought in, sometimes it's the exposure to the things that we see on the fire ground that, that, that manifest themselves. So there is a lot, a lot of moving parts in there that leadership cannot extract themselves out of it. I think if I want to go 360 on this, it's the fact that as leaders, especially at the leadership that have authority, rank, and so forth, you've got to be monitoring the crews. You've got to be, you've got to be engaged with your guys and gals. You've got to be having those conversations at the kitchen table, even though we sometimes extract ourselves out of it, now more than ever. I mean, and, and it's, it, I think we see that more often than not is that we see many more of our individuals siloed out because they are not getting together at the kitchen table. There are no, sometimes even the houses don't have those kitchen tables. And you and I both know that in our travels we, we stop and see some, some great examples of that kitchen table as reflects the tradition, the culture, the paradigms of the job. Um, and others, that kitchen table went away, and, and even the, the decor, the aspects in the firehouse that, uh, you know, reflects tradition and history and cohesiveness and successes. I mean, it reflects many, many things, both the past re reflects uh, and represents both the past and the present and so forth. But sometimes you walk into a very sterile environment or the history just permeates everything that's there. And that's part of how the guys, you know, sort of react to that environment. Are they're either involved and engaged, or they're separating themselves out, and it, and it reflects on a lot of different things that ultimately reflect on again what we're expecting you to do on the, on the street when you show up on a job. Well, I, I actually uh, was in a firehouse last night, Chris, outside of Horry County. Uh, I went to a, a department who had been working for over a year on leadership. And what they had done is they brought leadership in at all levels from, you know, new firefighters or younger firefighters all the way up to the chief. And they worked through a whole leadership thought process uh, in worked on developing a strategic plan for the organization, moving it forward over the next seven to ten years because they know they're going to be facing change and that some of the folks that are there will not be the same players in the game. And, and how do you get – you know, Ford focused on that, and tonight was their wrap-up night. It was a banquet. Uh, they actually brought in their significant others to thank them uh, for for allowing them to be engaged over this past year in this, this very tedious process that they've been going through, and I had the opportunity to do the keynote. And uh, 
one of the the pieces that well, I did the keynote called preserving our history while flavoring our future. And, you know, I think that's part of what you've just reflected in some of the conversations that we've had of, of the kitchen table and the history that's there and how we preserve some of that history and how we go back and, and sitting around that table helps us learn about things that are going on about our people and being engaged. And that's how we actually, uh, flavor our future. And I use the analogy of salt. Salt was a preservative that was used, you know, in, in the early years of, of, you know, preserving food and even preserving bodies, things like that. But also in, in, you know, the way that we flavor our food and make it taste good, it's the same thing. And I use the analogy of the old salt of the firefighter that is, you know, flavored, you know, somebody that's come in and, and what they've become. And, you know, unfortunately, in, in some of the pictures that that I use and throw up there from the past, preserving our past, uh, is one of me as a very young firefighter, about 18 years old and and, you know, looking at that and the things that, you know, people have done in my career and the, along the way, the company officers, the chief officers, the people that have, you know, sprinkled that flavoring on me to get me to the point of where I'm at today and making that analogy. And, you know, one of the things I can say is I'm very proud of the organization as, as they were going through that and I had an opportunity to be in there early on in, in the process to to talk about developing your leadership resume that will outlast you. And I, I preference that in the, the beginning of this program to kind of be able to come back to it at the end is, is what are you doing to leave your legacy as the officer? What are you doing to, to shape what's going on in your companies? And I hear so many times that administration is out of touch, the chief officers are out of touch. But, it, you, you know, you talk about the silos. If you're sitting in your office as a company officer and you don't have your pulse on the crew, you don't have the pulse on the organization, then, you you know, you know, hello, pot, this is kettle. You're just as much out of the loop and, and part of the problem is, is not being part of the solution. So I, th- I think we really hit on, on that there. So as we're coming up on about an hour, Chris, and we could probably go on for at least another I don't know, six, eight hours talking about this. And this, this might be a good segue in, as you mentioned earlier, uh, to, to have, um, you know, a deeper, you know, dialed in conversations in a series on this of what we can do and how we can enhance things in the, in the firehouse and, and firehouse leadership and, and being able to get it from the firehouse to the streets. But I want to get some of your final thoughts on this because we've, We've done a lot of different aspects and talked about a lot of different things. And like I said, we could go probably uh, 100 miles a minute in a bunch of different directions, and maybe that's what we need to do in future programming. But what's some of your kind of parting thoughts? Well, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about uh, a variety of different things. If nothing else, have, have planted a couple of nuggets out there um, in this brief uh, segment of our of our episode. Um I think that there's a lot of different aspects within the firehouse settings that, you know, that the, the, there's very fine and, and thin delineated lines. In other words, um, they're crisp uh, at times, and sometimes they're they're blurred. Um, but I think they all rest back upon standards and principles and values 
um, and, and even the morals. Uh, you know, just there's just some aspects of being the being a good person, but understanding again some aspects going back to understanding mission, understanding values, understanding the culture and paradigm of our firehouse as it relates to the bigger portion of the department as a whole, understanding what those attributes may be. Um, even though we may have separation, um, again, there's this, this different aspects of alienation. So there are quite a bit of uniqueness to individuals that currently operate within, our, within the firehouse settings. We've got to recognize those aspects while not alienating or separating, but we have to really be able to develop the ability to move as one. And that's so critical. And that's what we end up templating and imprinting within the firehouse that reflects on the fire ground. So we've got to move as one within the firehouse environment, which reflects back into the, uh, into the fire ground stand, uh, setting. I think the teamwork, um, again, is, is again imprinted in the firehouse. And that ends up reflecting upon what we get for unit or company effectiveness on the fire ground. We have to really strive to eliminate the silos and uh, again, those, those aspects of self versus the company or unit. We've got to be able to, again, develop uh, adaptiveness to the variety of th things that occur within the work and home environment of that firehouse, and then really be able to focus, focus it back toward the aspects of personnel, back to the attributes of skill set, knowledge, skills, abilities. It goes back into our ability to do what we say we can do within the firehouse and actually execute it based upon the value of missions on the fire ground. And there's a lot of different pieces. Again, it's just the debate, the questioning attitude, it's engagement and so forth. And I'll say this, and, and, I, and I think this will be my closing statement, is that within the firehouse, things become, things are negotiable. We can have debate, we can have dispute, uh, but they ultimately lead a certain path. But the firehouse has always been that environment where debate and conversation um, and things that become negotiable, although there's the discipline part that we talked about, but on the fire ground, the fire ground truly becomes non-negotiable and really becomes the more autocratic. You know, we want to promote critical thinking. It's not dismissed. We want to dismiss freelancing, but not at the expense of initiative. So it all goes back to this series of moving parts. And again, I think that the biggest takeaway is that we really got to develop that trust as the as the leadership, and it goes back to again some things uh, that we really even didn't talk about. Buddy to boss, you know, being one of the guys one day, and suddenly being the boss of the house the next day, and then being the leader, and then how that ref reflects back into how we operate and conduct ourselves at all levels. And uh, it goes back to, again, just that balance of discipline, respect, understanding tradition, and, and balancing it all out. It's, it's, it is not anything easy, but it really goes back to uh, mission-focused uh, uh, aspects of personnel and its relationship on operations. Well, I couldn't agree more, Chris. What a great show tonight, uh, a special edition of fire and training and taking it to the streets, combining our forces together to honor the great and late uh, Chief Bobby Halton, uh, to welcome in David Rhodes as the new editor-in-chief and director of education uh, for fire engineering and FDIC, 
honoring my good friend Steve Cordell, who has passed away this week and will be laid to rest on Friday, uh, February the 3rd. So uh, thank you, Chris, for joining in again. As always, it's an honor and a privilege to have such an esteemed colleague and friend on the show and to uh, share what we have with the people that are in the streets, the men and women who are uh, taking it to the streets, working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year from all across the world, from career to volunteer to combination departments. Uh, our, our one goal and our one strive is to provide them with the best education and knowledge that we can so that everyone goes home. Thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to another edition of Fire and Training. Again, this has been a special edition of Fire and Training and Taking It to the Streets. We look forward to having you uh, on the show again and in the house listening to what we have to say. Uh, Chris, as always, thank you again. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on another edition of Fire and Training. I'm your host, Douglas Klein, signing off for this edition. Stay safe and make sure everyone goes home. Thanks for tuning in to Fire Engineering Talk Radio. 